0: of you to get up out of your chairs,
4: Then go to the window, open it, and stick your head
1: out and yell.
5: Welcome to At the Window on this amazing, beautiful Sunday in New York. I'm Ariel Epstein. This is going to be one of the craziest days, I think, of the weekend. You got the NBA, college hoops. NASCAR it's going to be fun I know that we usually have Jared Smith here in studio however he is at the Vandal Sportsbook Jared how excited are you for this Sunday slate of games
4: I'm really excited, Ariel. We just got Penn State-Indiana about to tip off here on FS1. Uh, we need a win today to kind of get back on track after what happened earlier this week. I am a little nervous. Bloomington's a tough place to play. Assembly Hall's no joke. So, And I've got Kevin Walsh texting me asking me if Indiana's going to win. So that's how my uh, that's how my week is already starting. My uh, Sunday morning's already starting with smack talk from Kevin Walsh about the Hoosiers.
5: I thought he'd be talking some smack about the NBA, but... Penn State, big game today, also big day in the Big Ten for teams like Ohio State and Maryland facing off. We have the NBA going starting at 3.30, the Celtics and the Lakers. Kevin Walsh probably excited for LeBron James and the Lakers. Mm. However, it is spring training too, Jared, and we saw the first slate of all the games going on yesterday in Major League Baseball, and the Astros again were heckled by fans. Apparently, fans' posters were taken away when they were trying to heckle the Astros.
4: What happened to freedom of speech in this country, Ariel? I mean, I think that I, I, it's like a—that's a Bush League move. By I, I don't know if they were home or away yesterday, so if they were, they were in their home, the home park, team. the Astros' home park.
5: Technically, the home team, but okay. them and they the share Nationals the complex, share. though,
4: right, with the Nationals. Correct. Exactly. So when they go on the road. To, let's say, Yankee Stadium, which I know isn't going to happen until September, but let's say they go to Angels Stadium probably pretty early on in the season uh, or Oakland Stadium because uh, they're division rivals. That's not going to happen. There's no way that the, that the ushers are going to be taking away signs. So they are going to have to deal with this eventually. They kind of got off the hook during spring training. It's not going to happen once the, the the big boys start to play during the regular season. They're going to have to deal with this. They're going to have to take it on the chin. Uh, they're they're kind of getting a little bit of kid gloves during spring training, easing into this. None of the players in the sign-stealing sign scandal, good Lord, that's tough to say, yep. uh, had to play yesterday. They are going to have to play out? eventually, though. <laughs> No, I don't think it was a cop-out. I, I think they have a plan on when these guys are going to play, and they'll play when they play. Because a lot of the Yankees was mad didn't they play didn't yesterday play yesterday. They, they were all, yeah, I mean, I, I get it, you know, but, you know, the spring training's weird with baseball. They don't really have a set, you know, all right, well, the, you know, the starters are going to play on this particular day. So uh, it, it's, it, it's very regimented spring training. Like none of the, none of the Yankee starters played uh, in their first game yesterday, so I'm not surprised.
5: Do you see the Astros getting hit by pitches in spring training, or do you think that teams wait until the regular season?
4: I personally don't think there's going to be as many hit-by-pitches as you would think. I think they'll probably have a slightly above-average number. Last year, they were only hit by 66 or 67. So I I don't think it's going to be too much higher than that. I know the number was set at 83 and a half. I think that's a little high. Uh, The the Mets last year were the number one team. I think think it'll be close. I don't think it's a lock to go over. I think it'll be close. But I don't think they're going to get hit every game, if that's what you're asking. I don't think it's going to be like first batter of the game, boom, right in the back. All right, now we can play. I I think it'll be more subtle, Mm -hmm. and I think it'll happen more in the flow of the game than people think.
5: Me too, just because you don't want to get suspended and a lot of these pitchers might even not care about risking that if they're in the middle of a game knowing that they'll be out of the game in an inning or so. They might just do it, get ejected, and come in for their next start. We will talk about this throughout the course of Major League Baseball season. However, last night the big story was the heavyweight champ Fury-Wilder fight. Jared, when you watch this fight and you got to see that Tyson Fury beat Deontay Wilder and TKO in the seventh round – just the odds right here. So Fury closed as a at plus one twenty five, and was five to one to win by KO or TKO, and by stoppage in the seventh round was forty to one. Where would you see this match going? Wow.
4: I didn't see uh, Tyson Fury winning by knockout. I, I I certainly will admit that. I I thought if Fury was going to win. It was going to be by decision, and if Wilder won, it was going to be because he was the aggressor and he uh, made the knockout happen. So I'm, I'm happy for Tyson Fury. I think he is the better boxer. I think Wilder was the stronger opponent, more of the bull, and, and Fury kind of let that come to him in the first couple of rounds. And then I think it was in the third round is when he had his first knockdown. Mm-hmm. You really saw once, once he kind of saw blood, uh, he really went in for the blood? kill, and, and I certainly credit.
5: Fury licked yeah. Wilder's blood.
4: <laughs> that was like the uh, that was disgusting. like the Shakira part of the uh, the uh, like the Shakira thing with the uh, the, the you know the meme the that's tongue. going around all over. Uh, it it was yeah the tongue. It was a little gross. Um, I you know and, and that's, that's the thing about boxing, man. These guys these guys just don't care. You know, I mean we saw we saw Mike Tyson rip a guy's ear off with his bare teeth. So these guys, when they get Sounds into like the, the ring, like the sport they I would definitely care. be a part of. Yeah, no, no, no. We're gonna keep you away from the ring, Ariel. You're perfect right where you are.
5: And especially be in the heavyweight. <laughs> definitely, that would be my. Yeah, I would yeah, be in would, the heavyweight you would, one for
4: sure. You would, you would not last long in the heavyweight ring with uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. You would, you would be running around.
5: I did see that this match would go five to eight. That was where the odds had it. The odds said five to eight um, in knockout. And it was Wilder, though. That was obviously the favorite, according to the odds. So for Fury, though, the story is really interesting because we're talking about the last time these two faced off that Fury looked like he was down, came back to life in the 12th round. It was unbelievable to watch him come back like that. But then he started gaining all this weight. So the comeback story was huge in this one.
4: Yeah, and, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see where things go from here. They're already talking about, you know, Tyson now having to defend this heavyweight title against somebody else. So uh, we'll see who they put. I think uh, they'll, they'll probably throw somebody out there that we'll be hearing from over the next few months. Uh, but to me, boxing is it, 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 it's, it's unfortunate that it doesn't take up more of the spotlight. Uh, you know, we did a great job with the coverage this week. Scotty Farrell was out in Vegas with the crew doing his thing. Great so, interviews. Uh, it was glad. Uh, I was glad. Yeah, no, and, 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 and Scotty's a, a Vegas guy too. So, you know, he has a lot of connections out there. So uh, he was able to get some good interviews. So I, I'm I'm glad that boxing took center stage. It's unfortunate that this isn't a regular occurrence. Mm-hmm. You know, every month we don't have fights like this. This is a rare thing. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see where things progress from here. I, I don't. I wish I was into boxing more. I wish that there was something more. There was more meat on the bone to kind of chew there. But there's just there's just not. You know, we we don't get fights like these, especially heavyweight fights, uh, against right. two undefeated champions very often. I don't even remember One the last each time month. it happened it's been uh, aside from Wilder Fury. It's been very exciting. So, uh, I, I don't think it'll continue. I think the momentum in boxing is very staggered, and, and we won't see a lot of momentum. I think UFC is actually taking the mantle uh, of that monthly kind of card that we look towards. So, uh, you know, the, the, the attention will probably turn towards that before we get, you know, really into boxing again with a, with a, with a big time match. But it was fun to watch uh, Vegas take center stage in a heavyweight fight last night. It really did remind me of those Tyson uh, Holyfield days uh, when I was a kid growing up and uh, they used to go at it uh, against each other. So fun stuff, but unfortunately I think it's a a short-lived excitement uh, until we kind of come back around to uh, some more heavyweight fights down the road.
5: Well, something that's not a short-lived excitement is now it's the second half of the NBA season, and I know that we've made way back at the beginning of this season we were talking about who our favorites were to win the NBA championship, and I'm pretty sure on MSG Network, Jared, you took – the Clippers, and I took the Lakers. Was that what we did, or I'm trying to I remember. Think so. I think so. so. You have good memory. I'm trying, especially because when it comes down to our best bets, I like to make sure that I remember what we talk about because I like to use them against you at some point down the line. So I'm going to try to use it against yeah, you here. So what are that. your thoughts on the Clippers?
4: <laughs> I'm not loving the pick right now, to be honest with you. Um, I, I'll say this. The odds say right now, don't bet the Clippers. Because I don't think they're going to be any less when we get to the playoffs. so when you're making a futures bet, and we talk about this all the time, the the goal is to get CLV, closing line value. We've done it in certain areas. with my Penn State Futures bet, it's gone from 50 to one to 30 to one. That is a good bet. Even if Penn State does not win the title, I've made the right bet because that line has decreased almost twofold, and I think it's going to continue to decrease as we get closer to the tournament. Others go in the opposite direction. I think the Clippers are one of those. I think they could load management their way right out of a two seed, right out of a three seed, and maybe even out of a home field or home court advantage Mm -hmm. in the opening round of the playoffs. You know, this is a team that's teetering right now between three and four, and we don't know the health of some of their key players. And frankly, Paul a 10-day layoff Patrick did not help Beverly. them. They, right. Exactly. And they laid an egg yesterday against the Kings. They they scored 13 points in the first quarter of that game. Granted, there was some rust. They haven't played in 10 days. That was the longest layoff of any NBA team from the All-Star break, which was really like an All-Star month. But I, I, the Clippers certainly could use that rest because Kawhi Leonard can't play in back-to-backs. Paul George has been hurt this year. Patrick Beverly has been hurt this year. They're trying to get a new guy into the lineup with Marcus Morris. It's 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 going to take some time for them to become a team that we expect in fact I don't think we've seen well, the best I think it's hard to basketball even expect yet this year
5: team. it's a it's hard to expect a team that's changed their starting lineup 28 out of 56 games they're on a three-game losing streak how much does that affect the team when you're changing up the lineup so much Jared
4: a lot it 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 affects it a ton. I mean, and I think that's the biggest problem that the Clippers are having right now. It's continuity. Basketball is a rhythm sport, Ariel, and and the All-Star break has disrupted the rhythm from some of these teams. It's, it's fascinating to see which teams have come back hot. The Clippers have not been one of them, and I think their odds will decrease as we get closer to the playoffs.
5: First NBA game of the day starts at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to talk more about the NBA and how teams have been climbing out of the All-Star break so far. Who's the hottest right now? More here at the window coming up next on Sports Grid Welcome to At the Window. I'm Arielle Epstein. Jared Smith is at the FanDuel Sportsbook in the Meadowlands. College Hoops underway right now. Penn State is at Indiana. Penn State down 14-6. Bucknell and Lehigh are in action. Lehigh up 6-2. And Temple is at East Carolina. East Carolina leading 13-6. We're going to touch on those games as they go a little further into it. Maybe by halftime we'll start talking more about College Hoops. However, we do have the NBA, which is going to start at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. It's the Celtics. At the Lakers. Jared, with this game at 3 30 p.m., what are you looking at the most with the Celtics on the road in LA?
4: I really like this Celtics team. I, we've been talking about them uh, on, on the basketball show for the last couple of weeks. Uh, surprising that their odds have actually gone down. Uh, their NBA title odds have gone. I got them at 17 to 1. They're now down to 25. I think it's a really good price for Boston. Uh, in this game today, specifically, I, I, I look again. It's, it, this is a kind of a mirror image game of what Boston will face if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals or the semifinals, depending on how the seedings uh, shake out uh, against Giannis and the Bucks, Anthony Davis and Giannis, you know, not the same players, but similar players. I think obviously LeBron James is what makes the difference uh, between Milwaukee and, and LA. But in terms of the defensive matchups, Keep a very close eye on how Boston matches up against Anthony Davis in this Mm -hmm. game, especially at the top of the key when they run the pick and roll with LeBron. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, they are very switchable in terms of their defensive schemes. And if Boston wants to beat Milwaukee in, in the Eastern Conference playoffs, they're going to have to switch every screen at the top and do what Toronto did last year with Gasol and Siakam and Lowry even at the top. They were very uh, nimble defensively. In the and the Nurse did a great job two... shutting down Giannis in that game.
5: Yeah, in the last mm-hmm. matchup between these two teams, LeBron James was limited to 15 points and Anthony Davis was limited to just nine points. So you're, you're right on par there with them being able to limit those two of their leading scorers for the Lakers.
4: Yeah, Brad Stevens, you know, if, if you want good entertainment, Ariel, Google search Brad Stevens out of timeouts. I mean, he, he's a wizard. And, <laughs> and, and this is one of the best coaches in the NBA. And a lot of people, I think, and, and I'm, a, I'm a New York fan, trust me. The last thing I want to do is praise Boston. But, but I have to give credit. I, they I, might I respect, not be cheaters. I, I respect good things. No, they're not cheaters, I don't think. Um, I, 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 I respect what Boston can do. They're very versatile and they're very deep. And, and, and they can switch every screen. And I think that's something that NBA teams, the good NBA teams can do. Toronto can do it too. And, and the, best, the best defensive teams can do it. The Lakers can do it as well. I think they're a little bit thinner in the, in the, in the guard position uh, than Boston is. I, I don't trust like an Avery Bradley or, or you know, those guys to really switch screens at the top. But what Boston can do is they can make life very difficult for your best offensive player every game. And that, to me, is the mark of a good team. To take what you do the best. It's kind of like Bill Belichick. Take, take your strength and turn it into a weakness. So and Boston, that's something that Brad Stevens and the Celtics can do very well.
5: Boston beat L.A. 139-107. In Boston, though, the last time they played on January 20th. Jared, what's the difference now with the way that the Celtics would play on the road and L.A. would play in Staples Center?
4: I hate to say it, but the difference is LeBron James is not uh, going to see his son play in, uh, I think it was Attleboro, Massachusetts, the, the morning of and he's had some time off since then. That was a big controversial point in that last game was that he was, I think it was the morning or the night before the game, he went to go watch his son play basketball somewhere else in, in the state of Massachusetts, uh, and, and that was kind of a, a, a controversial thing uh, that was talked about, and, and, and I don't necessarily think it's why the Lakers lost by 30, but it certainly didn't look good. The optics were not good on that situation. The Lakers have obviously been very rested. All of the teams in the NBA right now are very rested, and I think unlike the first game back. I think the second and third games back is when you'll see the fruits of that long layoff. Usually the first game, it takes some time. We saw that with a few teams over the weekend. They're not hundred percent right out of the gate. Some teams didn't matter. Trey Young scored 50 in his first game back. Yeah. Who cares? Uh, but, but for certain teams, maybe more veteran teams, sometimes you got to shake the rust off for a game as Penn state's just getting absolutely obliterated right now in Bloomington. Uh, I'm very sad about that, but, uh, it, it, so I, I, wouldn't be surprised to see teams like Boston and LA veteran teams, uh, now that they're in their second game back, they're shake the rust off. I think we're going to see a very efficient performance today. I'm not surprised. The total's low two twenty-two and a half 222 and a half is a relatively low total, uh, for an NBA game, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if we saw uh, that game go over today because I do think that what you saw in that low. last game. This the you know the Celtics yeah. scored one you know one forty against against the Lakers.
5: Well, these are two of the better teams against um, opposing offenses. I know that the Lakers limit opponents to one hundred seven point three points per game, which is top ten, and the Celtics are also top ten. I think yeah one oh six point four is what the Celtics allow per game, which is third best in the NBA. So it makes mm-hmm. sense that this is a low scoring total. However, what does Kemba Walker do for the Celtics? Now that we've seen him for the first half of the season, what have you liked that you've seen him be able to do for the Celtics?
4: I'm a big fan of Kemba Walker. I mean, I, I think if you, if you take Kemba Walker and you pluck him off of the team he was off on last year and you Carly. put him on the Celtics team and you take out Kyrie Irving, you know, to me, that's a win for Boston. And and I think, you know, that sounds crazy on paper. How can you say Kemba Walker is better than Kyrie Irving? I think he's a better fit for what the for what the Celtics are trying to do. I don't think the Celtics are built to be a team where there's a main scoring guard and everybody else filters in. I think the Celtics are best fit to be a balanced scoring team, and we're seeing that a lot more this year. Kemba Walker has nights where he goes off, sure, but so does Jason Tatum. So does Jalen Brown. So does Gordon Hayward. They're much much more balanced this year and Kemba Walker is a piece of the puzzle instead of Kyrie Irving being the overarching main guy on that team and we saw it in the playoffs last year. Boston went into Milwaukee last year and they beat the Bucks in game 1 of the Eastern Conference semifinals. And then all of a sudden it just fell apart and a lot of that was some controversy surrounding Kyrie Irving and him not getting the ball enough. That's not an issue for Boston this year. I think Boston and I'm telling you I was shocked when I saw these odds drop out in Vegas. They're 10 to 1. When I was out in Vegas last week, you couldn't find a ticket for the Celtics at higher than 10-1 to 1 to win the title. I'm seeing 25-1 to 1 on FanDuel right now. That is a monster gap between what their odds are in Vegas and what their perceived odds are here back east. I, I think there's a ton of value on the Celtics to win the title. I think they are a team that can not only beat the Bucs, but also can beat the Lakers. They've proven it, that they can do it this year. Keep an eye on Boston down the stretch. Boston getting team, seven. Not a lot of what holes. Do you, where do you lean? Defense. I would lean Boston. I, I would. I, I would certainly lean Boston in this game. I, I, I don't think this game is indicative of where Boston is long term because I think the Lakers know that they got blasted by 32 points the last time they played. So they're going to try to run up the score in this game if they can. But I, I think long term, Boston could be a very intriguing play. The future's odds on them are not right.
5: So you lean towards Boston in this game and the over 222 and a half. So the next game we're going to talk yep. about is the six o'clock game. Indiana Pacers are at the Toronto Raptors. The Pacers getting five and a half with the total at 219. However, Pacers Victor Aladipo is doubtful for this game. How does that change the way that you look at the Raptors matching up with the Pacers in Toronto tonight?
4: Yeah, tough tough matchup for the Pacers. I, I I think the Pacers were a very good play on team the first half of the season. They have a very good record against the number 30, 25 and one. I, I like Indiana as a team building something that is greater than what we're seeing today. For this game today, very tough matchup. Uh, I, I think they're kind of getting used to life with Oladipo and now you're taking it away, which I think is a hard thing, a hard pill to swallow when you've gone the entire season without him. Then a nice little stretch with him. And now he's, he's going away again. And, and, and to me, that's going to be really hard. I, I think the Pacers are a very strong team top to bottom. I think the Raptors, though, in this matchup, match up much better against Indiana. I really like the depth of this Toronto team. You've got a guy, Chris Boucher. He's the 10th guy off the bench contributing for this Raptors team. There are They're no balanced. other like teams in the NBA that go team. 10 deep, Ariel. Yes, they literally have two lines. They, have, they, they can play 10 players. And, and I, I know they've suffered some injuries as well this year, which has kind of hampered their, 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 their expansion of being able to kind of grow without Kawhi. This is a team that has proven that they can win without Kawhi. They've got the second-best record in the NBA. But I, I don't think that long-term they can do it without their guys in tow. Kyle Lowry needs to be healthy. Marcus Saul needs to be healthy. Pascal Siakam needs to be in the flow of the offense. But they've got role players. I, like, I love what Powell's brought to the table. I think Van Fleet's going to be a free agent in the offseason, so he might be playing for a contract. This is a very dangerous Toronto team. You're talking about two teams we just mentioned, Boston and Toronto. If you want a pick of one of those teams that can beat Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference – those are the two teams I would take today. I think Philly is just an absolute train wreck right now, and I think Miami is still a year away with those young guards in the back, Robinson and none. I think Miami is good. They're improving, but I think Miami's a year away. If you're going to ask me today if I'm going to pick one team or two teams to beat Milwaukee in the East, Toronto's one, Boston's the other. I like the Raptors today to cover at home against the Pacers.
5: Yeah, I like the Raptors. That actually lay the five-and-a-half points with Toronto today. They've won eight of their last home games straight up. They also, when they're shooting over 50% from the floor, are 16-0 and 0 this season. Crazy stat for the Toronto Raptors. So when they're hot, they're hot. And I can't knock them at home, especially with Al Victor Aladipo on the Pacers. He did leave his last game early with back spasms. So now we're probably seeing him doubtful today against Toronto. Toronto at home, like I said, eight straight. I love Toronto here. And the minus five and a half doesn't scare me at all.
4: Yeah, no, and, and uh, you know, the Oladipo thing I think does scare me. I, I, I'm concerned about his health because he just can't seem to stay on the floor. And he's a dynamic player, Ariel. He's one of the best players in the league when healthy. I, I, you know, there's just some guys that just can't stay healthy, and, and, and that's a problem. You know, those are, you know, I, I liken it to Derrick Rose. I mean, when he's on the floor, he's explosive, but he just couldn't stay on the floor. And that's the main issue with Oladipo. This is a dangerous Pacers team. I don't want to take anything away from what Sabonis has done. T.J. Warren's a great guard. And this is an Indiana team that can win games consistently, especially at home. They're not at home today. They have to go to the 6 to play this game in Toronto. I think the Pacers overall are a team that is a younger team that you can say, all right, this team has a plan. They have a bright future. Nate McMillan's done a great job as head coach. But I I just don't trust the depth. You know, And we're starting to see some so cracks in the armor, with especially game. with Oladipo continuing. Toronto. I like Toronto in this game.
5: What about the total? Eh,
4: 218 seems low, but Raptors are a defensive team. I would lay off the total.
5: All right, we're going to preview Spurs at Thunder next. We're also going to talk about the teams that looked really hot this all after this All-Star weekend. There's a few of them that have actually been coming out of the woodworks that I've been shocked about. We have more coming up on At The Window. We'll keep track of those college hoops games going on as well. Stay tuned to Sports Grid. Welcome back to At the Window. I'm Ariel Epstein here at Studio 34 in Midtown Manhattan. Jared Smith at the FanDuel Sportsbook in the Meadowlands. It sounds crowded there, Jared.
4: Yeah, the Maryland Jockey Club uh, number number one race is going off right now. Um, Sunday morning ponies, Ariel.
5: Yeah, it's crazy over there Exciting. on Sundays. My know. grandpa in Maryland's probably loving it. Yeah, that's kind of the first dose of gambling I got in yeah. my life. My dad's dad in Maryland is obsessed with it.
4: NBA is like our I certainly get into it. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're the MSG peeps. That's what we do. Um, I, you know, I'll get into it when we get to the Derby. And if we're still doing this show on Sundays, I guess we'll recap the Derby. Um, but... Yeah, that, that I get into the Derby. I get into the Preakness. Belmont's fun. We should go to the Belmont. We can we do like a segment at the Belmont. Oh no, we're you definitely doing a segment at the Belmont I on know. Saturday and air it on Sunday.
5: We're definitely doing the Belmont. and We'll do something funny social media wise. Um, but tonight we do have the Spurs and Thunder seven yeah. o'clock p.m. Eastern time. So the Spurs, that long, long road trip coming to an end. Eight game road trip that's finally going to end yeah, for the, the San Antonio Spurs. Um, what are your thoughts, Jared, on, so the Spurs on a back-to-back win streak, they're going now to Oklahoma City to take on the Thunder tonight. What are your initial thoughts as the Spurs will get to see the light at the end of the tunnel of this road trip?
4: My initial thoughts are the Thunder are much better right now. And the Thunder are one of the best teams in the NBA that we're not talking about. And we really should be because what they've done is incredible. I think Oklahoma City is way ahead of schedule, way ahead of schedule. And, and Billy Donovan does not get enough credit for the job he's done. They wanted him out last year, two years ago. And, and now he's taken a team that, you know, doesn't have a lot of star power. You know, Dylan Gallinari. you know, kind of a good player. I wouldn't say he's an all-star. Shy Gilgis-Alexander is a really good player, but a very young player and has a lot of growing to do. Chris Paul is obviously the heartbeat of this team, and I think his addition has changed the equation a little bit for Oklahoma City. He's not the same player that he was five years ago, even 10 years ago, even two years ago, but he can still run an offense. And what Billy Donovan has gotten is that extension of the coach on the floor and a really good, really young team has now evolved into a playoff contender. And let's be real, at the top of the Western Conference, it's the Lakers, it's the Clippers. The Nuggets are okay. The Jazz are okay. The Rockets have a really unique lineup. We don't know what they are. There's an opportunity for the Thunder to peek their head up and be a four seed, be a five seed in the Western Conference if they continue to play this well. They're the best team against the number in the entire NBA. 66%. You're telling me that if I bet on the Thunder every game this season, I would have won 66% of the time? That is about as profitable as you can be in the association, Ariel. So it's not as much the Thunder or the Spurs in this game in terms of what their situation is, which I think is on the decline. But to me, it's the Thunder and their ascent as to one of the better teams in the Western Conference.
5: How about their reserve point guard, Dennis Schroeder, who for the Thunder has been great along with Shagilius Alexander and Chris Paul. What has he been able to contribute to this Thunder team?
4: I absolutely love what Dennis Schroeder has brought to the table. He is a unique, dynamic player. In fact, I saw a stat for him that hes he comes off the bench. He's a sixth man. He might be the sixth man of the year, but... It, I think he's led the team. I think he's led the team in scoring.
5: Look at that right now. Like, like about 20 of their teachers. games this year. Sixth man right now. He's the runner-up. I don't, even, the runner I don't up. know where it
4: is. He's the runner-up. I where you can find it. So he's Lou, the runner-up. Yep, Lou Williams is at
5: plus 145, Lou and Williams. then Schroeder is at plus 155.
4: And to be honest with you, if, if the Clippers continue to struggle and Lou Williams is forced into the starting lineup at any point because of the injuries, I, I think Schroeder is, is, is the winner there. How and, about Montrezl Harrell? Can he come out tell from, me from that behind a guy there at the plus
5: open? 270?
4: Mm, I don't think Harrell does enough offensively. I think Schroeder Schreuder is Schreuder's the best. straw that stirs the drink a little bit. I do like Schroeder okay. a lot. In fact, if I had to make a pick right now, I'd say Schroeder is the sixth man of the year.
5: Wow. So right now, you have the Thunder as five-point favorites. You said that you know, 66% of the time, they've covered on the number, which is incredible for being the best in the NBA. So would you do it here, too, laying the five with Oklahoma City?
4: Absolutely. I I am betting on the thunder every game until so this trend gets bucked. And I, I haven't taken a look at what their schedule is for the second half. I it's think not one of the more great interesting they're things, on the road thirteen uh, of the
5: next twenty games.
4: You know, I'm going to pull this up now, Ariel, because we were looking at this yesterday during the basketball show. The remaining strength of schedule in the NBA is, to me, the most intriguing part of the schedule of the of the optics of the rest of the season. Uh, let's take a look. Oklahoma City's basically right in the middle of the pack, so they, they, I, I wouldn't lean one way or the other with them in terms of their schedule impacting where their playoff positioning will be. But we talked about this yesterday with Milwaukee, Ariel. They've got the fifth toughest schedule down the stretch. It's actually been bumped down now to sixth. I guess yesterday's the uh, the uh, the games kind of uh, adjusted the uh, percentages of the strength of schedule, but right now Milwaukee has the sixth toughest strength of schedule down the stretch. They've got to play. They've got to play the, the Celtics twice. Nice. They play the Raptors three times. They have to play the Lakers as well. So. The, I don't want to say the Bucks are vulnerable. They're the number one seed in the East, and you can lock that in right now. But we're going to find out a lot more about just how much better the Bucks are than the rest of the field. The most impressive thing with Milwaukee so far, if you look at the ATS numbers in the NBA, I believe it's Oklahoma City, Boston, and then Milwaukee. And the reason why that's impressive, Oklahoma City's come from out of nowhere. Their odds have been very, you know, deflated. That's why they've overachieved. Boston plays a lot of tight games. They're a good defensive team. Their numbers aren't as wide. That's why they're good against the number team. Milwaukee Milwaukee has been favored by double digits in in almost every game. I would say I would argue probably in half of their games this season. Exactly. That's why the fact that Milwaukee is such a good team against the number is just that much more impressive because of how big the numbers have been. But I think those – and I think we talked about this yesterday. I think the Bucks are a good fade team in the second half, not from a win-loss perspective, from a, but from an ATS perspective because they've overachieved these big numbers and they're going to face a much tougher schedule down the stretch. Oklahoma City could also be a good regression team. Usually teams that are younger tend to fade down the stretch. And this has been an Oklahoma City team that has overachieved the entire season. I like them tonight against the Spurs because the Spurs have just been absolutely dreadful on this road trip and they've fallen down a lot over the last few games. But Oklahoma City, to me, very unique team to watch and to cap because of their youth and because of their athleticism. Dennis Schroeder, you you said it right there. That's the guy to watch.
5: Mm -hmm. And he's been a little banged up, so we'll see if he ends up playing. However, we have seen the Spurs win back-to-back games now on the last two games of this road trip. It seems a little too good to be true that they could maybe win three in a row to cap off an eight-game road trip, especially... You no, know, on the road in Oklahoma City, as you're saying, Oklahoma City playing well. However, we have a few minutes left before we get to college hoops. The teams that have been playing the best out of the All-Star break so far, aside for the Milwaukee Bucks, who we've talked about, they beat the Pistons. They beat the 76ers. Now we transition into two teams that are at the bottom of the NBA barrel. However, the Atlanta Hawks and the Sacramento Kings have been on fire outside the All-Star break. What are your thoughts, at least? First, let's start with the Atlanta Hawks since the All-Star break.
4: Yeah, you know, I think the Hawks are a team that's going to go as far as Trey Young takes them. I think they're an interesting handicap with John Collins in the middle. They get Clint Capella. We'll see how they transition into this new lineup. I don't necessarily think they're a play-on team the rest of the season, despite their hot streak. I think you pick your spots with Atlanta. The problem is there's teams – I was actually surprised that Miami couldn't figure out how to guard Trey Young because they're such a good defensive team. In fact, I think that game is actually kind of a microcosm of what you might see the rest of the season. Miami at times can lapse defensively because their guards are more you know, focused on scoring. And obviously no Jimmy Butler in the lineup has an effect on that. But back to Atlanta, if Trey Young can, can, can be that guy, he can win any game and carry a team on his back. Any game, any night, Trey Young can carry you. And he's the most, one most—I would say he's probably the uh, deepest, you know, with Lillard Hurt, the deepest shooter in the NBA right now. You've got to check him crossing half court. And I saw several occasions the other night where Bam Adebayo was forced to switch on Young, and Young was jacking it up from the logo, and they were going in. So that's something to keep in mind. When, when Atlanta faces a team with a stretch center, and they can isolate him on a pick-and-roll or, or, or at the top of the key with Trey Young— Young can shoot it from anywhere on the floor, and usually the bigs don't like to get up past the three-point line to, to, to guard you. So that was a bad matchup for Miami the other night, and that's why Young went off for 50 points. Uh, on the other side of the coin, Atlanta does not like to defend. So when you face a team uh, you know, like a Milwaukee that just gets up and down the floor with ease, they are going to struggle to defend that. Miami doesn't play that type of offense. Miami kind of runs a little more of an ISO, slower-paced offense. And that's why Atlanta was able to take advantage that the other night. That was still a very high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. But the Hawks,
5: if they can continue to be
4: consistent with Trey Young, yeah, exactly. They can, they, can, they can drop 130 on anybody, Ariel.
5: Yeah, and then they did play Dallas. Atlanta played Dallas the last time out. They won one eleven, one o seven, beating Dallas at home. However, Dallas was without their two highest scorers in Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic. Actually, though, the Mavericks are two and zero without their two leading scorers now. It dropped to two and one. Jared, why is that?
4: I have no idea, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I it's like, it's like to me. That is a—and, you know, Rick Carlisle's a great coach, and and you got to give credit to him. Uh, And, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s played well. I really like what Jalen Brunson's done in the backcourt for Dallas, the kid from Nova that won the title a couple of years ago. He's been a good uh, catalyst for this Mavericks team. Seth Curry's even played well for them. So Dallas has gotten good performances from unsung areas. But let's be real, uh, if it's not Doncic or Porzingis—and I'll be the first to admit— I am incredibly surprised at how well Kristaps Porzingis has played this year. This was not the same Kristaps Porzingis I saw with the Knicks in the previous couple of seasons. Does that ever happen? Now, granted, though? a change that of the scenery, a player goes the to
5: another team, oh. and <laughs> we usually see that happen.
4: I know. Don't get me started on the Knicks. But, uh, you know, I I feel like Carlisle has done a good enough job to where he can get the most out of his players on any given night. I think Rick's a very underrated head coach.
5: We're going to talk some college hoops coming up next here on At the Window, and Jared Smith might actually cry on air. (laughs) Let you know what the updated lines are. We'll track some line movements in college hoops as the games continue to progress. And as we get to the start of the later games later this afternoon, I can't wait to watch Jared cry. I think it's going to be kind of funny.
0: See you you next here on At the Window on Sports (laughs) Grid.
5: Welcome back to At the Window. I'm Ariel Epstein. Jared Smith at the Meadowlands at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Jared, one better put $100,500 on Philly to make the playoffs at minus 5,000 odds at the Superbook before the season at 35 and 22, 13 and a half games ahead of the number nine scene Wizards. It looks like they're going to make the playoffs at 99.9% chance, according to ESPN. So the bet of $100,500 is going to make $2,010. Like, really? What? I'm confused. Why do this?
4: Why? I don't know. That's a great question. You're better off taking your $100,000, giving it to me, letting me buy a stock that I think is going to do well, and we can double our money in the time that it's going to take between now and the playoffs. I I don't understand it. I don't either. I don't know how people have this much money lying around.
5: I don't get that. But what I do understand, all right, we just talked about the NBA for a while. What I do understand is that you put down a bet on Penn State right now. So they're trailing 31-18 and getting nine and a half points at Indiana as the first half is coming to a close with four minutes left. Why make that decision?
4: Because uh, I am a homer at heart, Ariel, homer, and homer. I love I'm a glutton for punishment. I know. I you got this, Penn State I have plus this, this crazy the idea line. that Penn State's a good basketball team. I didn't bet, I should have bet the money line. That was actually a better bet. Um, five and a half is where I got him at, and I just bet him again at eight and a half because I'm a glutton for punishment. So Penn State
5: actually has this huge.
4: I just. I,
5: I, Penn State has this huge fundraiser called Thon. It's the largest student-run philanthropy in the country. Yes. It's going on this weekend. There's people that are these dancers that are on the floor. That it's not like they're dancing for a full 46 hours, but they're standing for 46 hours. So it starts on Friday around three, four o'clock, and then it ends today around I think it's four, five o'clock, um, something like that. So they raise millions yeah, it's of dollars. Yeah. 46 hours. 46 hours of dancing. So they stand for 46 hours nonstop. They're not allowed to sit. When you're in the Bryce Jordan Center, you cannot sit down. You have to stand. Even if you're not necessarily a dancer, you have to be standing in the arena at all times. So definitely go and donate because it's for pediatric cancer research. It's an awesome cause. They've raised as high. I think my sophomore year we raised like 13 million dollars as a school it's really an incredible thing so Penn State obviously on the road today because of it but they do a thing called the line dance so this is what my point was they do a thing called the line dance and every year students have to learn this line dance which they change it and it's all about the current events it's a song but they make a dance up to it it's a way to stretch everyone out because they're standing so long but in the song it says we're a basketball school Jared are they a basketball school
4: Yeah, right. I think we're more of a basketball school this year than we have in years past, but do I think we are a basketball school like Duke or (laughs) Kentucky or Kansas or even Gonzaga is a basketball school? No, because we haven't done anything to earn that. We've never been to a Final Four. We've never won a national championship. And in my generation, which is the last 30 years, uh, we've never even made it past the first round of the NCAA tournament. They have made it to the tournament in several times since I've been alive but they haven't done anything. Hopefully this was going to be the year. year. However,
5: how far can you see Penn State going this year in the tournament?
4: It's a good question. I I, I do think we're a sweet 16 caliber team. Ugh, Now we're down 16 all of a sudden. Uh, I do think we're a sweet 16 caliber team. I just don't know how consistent we are. And I'm an idiot because I bet us uh, against a good team on the road today, and and I'm going to lose both of these bets, 5.5 and 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 8.5 because they look like absolute trash right now. But I, I just don't see, in my mind, them going past the Sweet 16. Oh, my God, now they're down 19. Oh there no! I really am going to cry in the air today.
5: Hey, it's only the first half. They yeah, can still bad. get in. They can out. still make a comeback in the second half. We've seen it happen before. But speaking of comebacks, yesterday's slate of games was huge. So you have Kansas beating Baylor. You have San Diego State losing for the first time all season. But amongst all those different games last uh, last night, what would you say was the game that stood out to you the most? That was the biggest surprise.
4: Gonzaga uh, going to BYU and, and mm-hmm. getting absolutely floored. I mean, they they, they got beat uh, in both halves pretty convincingly. The San Diego State game was a little fluky. San Diego State missed a ton of bunnies in that game. San Diego State should have won that game, I think. And I think if you played that game again tonight, they would have won by double digits. Gonzaga going on the road and being outclassed by BYU. I thought was the, surprise was, of the night. was the final. Uh, Cougars we, were
5: got four at home, and they were one plus one sixty on the money line.
4: And. To me, Gonzaga defensively is where they are going to struggle uh, in, in the tournament. I really like this Gonzaga team from an offensive standpoint, but if we pull up their Ken Palm numbers, you know, this is a team that's 35th in adjusted defense. Last year, Virginia was a top-five adjusted defense, top-five adjusted offense. That's why they won the title. Balance. Gonzaga's on, it the over best 14 offense in the country. yesterday too.: Not a great defense. And that is a problem as well. I think maybe if they played that game on a neutral court, maybe Gonzaga would be okay. I I watched that game last night at the Marriott Center in Provo. That place was rocking. And I don't think Gonzaga's used. And and this is something we talk about too with Gonzaga. When they go into the big gyms and they're not the home team anymore, they're not used to playing in these big gyms. They're in the West Coast Conference. They're used to going to Pepperdine and and San Diego and very small gyms. Then they go to a big Marriott Center that's, I don't know what the capacity is, but it looked like an NBA arena last night. I have a friend that works the marketing out there at BYU, and they went all out for that game, as they should. It was the biggest game uh, at the Marriott Center since 2011 when Jimmer Fredette and BYU took on Kawhi Leonard and San Diego State, two top ten teams. That was the last time that we saw that kind of environment at the Marriott Center in Provo. So you, you tip your cap to BYU. They did a great job yesterday. Spencer Hawes, one of the best guards in the country we don't talk about. BYU is a very up-tempo offense. They can give some bad defensive teams problems in the NCAA tournament, but their defense is what's going to cost them down the stretch of any big-time tournament game. But when it comes to Gonzaga, they're going to be a number one seed, I think, as long as they win the West Coast Conference oh, really? Tournament, which I expect them to do. and right now they're a number two, think, so you I think, think I that think this doesn't kill
5: a- their number one seed chance? Is.
4: who are the other who are the other one lines
5: well I'd have to Baylor, know
4: Kansas and who else
5: Baylor Kansas that's a great question I'm going to have to look right now at where the number one seeds are um but yeah no I mean
4: I, I thought is a shoe in to be a number one seed to be honest with you even though even with the loss last night I think they've done enough in the tournament uh, or in the in the in the entire stretch of the season to warrant that but I'm curious what Joe Lenardi has I mean I do take his uh numbers pretty pretty seriously
5: so Kansas right now poised to be the number one. And here, I'm going to keep pulling it up. But As we did see last be. night Kansas beat Baylor 64-61. Kansas was plus one and a half and plus 105 yeah. on the money line. So really interesting that Kansas there was a underdog in the game at Baylor.
4: Yeah, and I, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I will. I gave out 65-60 Kansas on the show yesterday, and they won 64-61. Baylor's so another Baga, one Kansas, of the ones, right? Seeds. But I got the exact number of points. As, as I think it's Kansas. Right now, if you had to ask me the ones, it's Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, and then there's an opening. San Diego and State is the other be one by Maryland right now, if they but run they the lost. And I think, yeah, I think San Diego State falls off a little bit, to be honest with you. I, I think that loss was a bit eye-opening last night at home to a average UNLV team Gonzaga went on the road to a very tough opponent uh and 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 they lost the game that you know they really could have won if it was played on a neutral court but I think the atmosphere kind of threw them off their offensive game you mentioned it, 14 turnovers that's a big reason why they lost that game uh I, I think Gonzaga overall is 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 a one-line team I think Dayton could could peeked their head up into that spot as well. But back to Kansas and Baylor, I think we saw the true Kansas team yesterday. Kansas is the best defensive team in the country. There is no other team in the country that has a guy like Udaka Azabuki who can clog up the lane like that and cause a good Baylor team, this is a good Baylor team, to just go absolutely dead from offense in the second half of that game. Azabuki defensively is the most unique player in the country there are no more bigs in college basketball. Everyone's a slash forward now. Gonzaga's got two bigs in the middle that are basically guards. So nobody does it like Gonzaga. In fact, if you were or like like Kansas, if you were going to ask me the most intriguing matchup right now in the Final Four, it would be Kansas against Gonzaga because I think Gonzaga has those two bigs in Petra and Tilly that can bring Azabuki away from the basket and make him more of an, out, an outside guy instead of an inside guy. And that is the intriguing matchup to me. I hope we get Gonzaga. And, and Kansas in the Final Four because I think that is a fascinating matchup. But today, Kansas is the best team in the country. They deserve to be the number one overall seed and they proved it yesterday in Waco.
5: Kansas and Baylor both 7-0 and in road conference games this season. And also we saw that Baylor has never trailed by more than two points in their previous 12 home games. So Baylor is a really dominant team at home as well. With San Diego State, though, so Kansas and Baylor, I think that just because Kansas beat Baylor, it obviously makes Kansas you know, have that on their resume to be the better team. But one seed wise, I don't think that that would change the way that the projections would be. I think that Baylor and Kansas still stay as a one seed because of a loss for Baylor. San Diego State to me is intriguing, though, because I feel like their loss might have opened up that one spot, as you were saying a little bit before, because they're one of those teams like when you're in college football. And let's say a team such as like a Big 12 team loses one game in college football. That could be your chance of losing out on a college football playoff because your conference isn't considered one of the power fives. I think it could look the same here for San Diego state. The undefeated run helped them get a one seed, but how much does that one loss help them lose the one seed?
4: Well, when you look at these teams, and, and, and Ken Palm does a great job of this. I know we talk about Ken Palm all the time, but the information and the analytics are just so prevalent to what we're doing uh, from a handicapping standpoint. San Diego State's one of those unique teams. They're a top-10 offense, top-10 defense in adjusted efficiency, but their strength of schedule is not good. And why is their strength of schedule not good? Because well, they play in the Mountain West Conference. Same thing with Gonzaga. Gonzaga is the number-one team adjusted offense in the country, top-40 adjusted defense, but their schedule is 120th. Same thing with Dayton. Dayton's the second best offense in the country. Not as good defensively. I want to say they're in the 50s, uh, 57th uh, adjusted Dayton's defense. Dayton's now won their 16th in a row. schedule, 100. Dayton's a fascinating team. Now, I used to work in the A-10. I used to work at LaSalle. I traveled around all these teams. I've been to Dayton's gym. I've called a game in Dayton's gym. Dayton is one of those teams, when they're winning... That is a pro gym, That play, and there's a reason why the first four gets hosted there every year in the NCAA tournament. That is a legitimate gym that's hard to go into and play. That's why teams have struggled so much to win there this year, but Dayton, to me, needs to do more defensively. They're the best offense, one of the best offenses in the country with Obi Tappen, and, and and they've got a great backcourt as well, but man, they've got to be better defensively.
5: Dayton hasn't been in the tournament since 2017. We're going to talk more college hoops. We'll update you on some halftime scores, and we'll assess some in-game lines as well. Stay tuned at the window.